0: on the front one. I want to on I'm going to go ahead the Good morning, everyone.
1: Good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here. It's good to see everybody today. Uh, it's good to share this time of fellowship and uh, and worship with one another. And we welcome you all. Welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here today, and and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to fill those out, so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Just put whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us. Uh, we would certainly appreciate it. And we have several announcements I'd like to to bring to your attention. Uh, first of all, thank you to the, our men's class for a wonderful breakfast this morning, our fellowship breakfast. Amen. Yeah. We appreciate all that effort and good food that that you provided this morning and and has provided an avenue for good fellowship as well. Uh, Also, several things we have coming up on, um, I think it's a week from tomorrow is the eclipse, isn't it? Is that a week from tomorrow? Mm -hmm. A week from tomorrow is the eclipse and we are um, uh, planning an outing to uh, take in the full eclipse. You'll see part of it here in Henderson, I think, but, but not quite the full eclipse. And so we're heading south to uh, Berna, Kentucky. Uh, Felicia's father has a farm down there, and we're going to go down and uh, have a cookout on the farm and enjoy the uh, the eclipse from there. We'll be leaving the church at 9 o'clock, and so be here before then. And uh, we we need to, to know if you need some glasses. Some You, you have to use the special glasses to to see the eclipse. So either get some, or on the sign-up sheet, indicate that, that you need glasses. I think uh, uh, some of the glasses that, that we ordered were not up to up to snuff, so we need to kind of re uh, rethink that a little bit. There are some places around town that you can get some glasses as well, but uh, if you need us to get those for you, then please uh, indicate on the sign-up sheet over here. Also, um, Uh, We are planning an outing to the uh, cards game on August the 26th, and the sign-up sheet is on the bulletin board back here. If you'd like to go, sign up back there. Um, And another sign-up opportunity for you is the Voices of Elmwood. Uh, This is a a program over at Elmwood Cemetery in Owensboro. The date will be September the 28th. And... uh, and it's a historical thing where uh, I think there are ten characters that are buried in the cemetery there. They take them, and um, and you kind of go through the cemetery, and they tell their story. It's kind of a historical uh, thing, and Sue Berry will be one of the actors this year. She's been involved with that. If you'd like to go, we need to know now. Um, so sign up on the sheet over here. I think she's going to be getting tickets this week so, uh, because they go pretty quickly. So, uh, so if you would like to go on the 28th, please sign up now. And another thing to sign up for, uh, we need your help for uh, Children's Moment. We're doing our Children's Moment every Sunday now. Um, and so if you'd like to sign up to help by doing a Children's Moment here at the church uh, during worship service, there's a sign-up sheet over here. So y'all can just kind of bounce back and forth between these two places to, to sign up uh, this morning. Um, we are, uh, we're gearing up for our Hoops and Cheers basketball and cheerleading program. Uh, it is right around the corner. As a matter of fact, we will be distributing the, the brochures through the schools tomorrow. And so uh, if you would like to provide some cookies, we always provide cookies for the schools, for the teachers to... Uh, to thank them for uh, uh, distributing these brochures through the school. If you'd like to provide some cookies, then uh, then pre- please bring them today or early tomorrow morning, and we would certainly appreciate that. It's good to share this time of fellowship and worship with you. Uh, and so let me invite you now. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of God and share the love of God with one another. Amen.
0: Glad you're here, I This is the first one we're singing No, no two away. No, oh, no. We now, first? We, Yes, yes, yes. the last That was me. Bless you. I tried to sustain it. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just wait. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Prepare for prayer. I'd like to read a passage of Scripture before we enter into prayer. I I must admit that I was kind of out of the loop yesterday uh, for much of the day and and did not hear a lot of what was going on in in Charlottesville, Virginia until late in the day. I kind of got little snippets of it. But with that in mind, I'd like to read a passage of Scripture that comes from Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 14. For He is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new person in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Therefore, thereby bringing the hostility to an end. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Let us pray. Oh God, we gather once again as your people. You have called us and claimed us and chosen us, and we are here by your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving us what we need and then adding so much more to it. Oh God, we remember how Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, and today we we confess him as our Lord as well. We know that we don't always live as if He is our Lord. Sometimes our discipleship lacks devotion and conviction. Sometimes our words and our ways put others off rather than draw others to, to Him. And sometimes when it comes to sharing your love and compassion, we're not very effective. And so we ask for your forgiveness. You see who we are and you know what we can become. And so we pray for you to, to give us the courage to let you make something surprising of us. Use us in ways that build your church and bring in your kingdom. We pray for those who are ill, for those whose minds and bodies are failing them, and for those who struggle with treatments and therapies. We pray for those who are working through their grief and loss and learning to cope with the death of one that they love. We pray for those who don't think they have a reason to live and who battle to find purpose and meaning for their lives. And we ask you to give them each healing and comfort and hope. Lord, we remember also the needs of the larger world. We think of children who are dying and and of rescue efforts that are thwarted by politics and self-serving. We think of nations that are torn apart by hatred and violence. We think of cities where racial tensions divide and destroy community. We think about what took place in Charlottesville, Virginia this weekend with broken hearts and we long for your kingdom to come and your will to be done here on earth just as it is in heaven and help us to do our part to make that happen. We think of people of all faiths who are persecuted and killed for what they believe. And we know, oh God, that we can't solve all these problems, but we pray that you can show us where our words and our actions can make a difference. Make us brave and bold enough to speak out and to act. Lord, it is with ordinary people like us that you build your church. And we are amazed at how much faith you have in us. And we're also humbled by all that you entrust to us and all that you think that we can do. So empower us, Lord, to be who you say we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: They haven't been in school long enough to follow a direction. Line up. Oh stretch, stretch, stretch. All right. Now, one more thing. If you work in the school system, would you join us, please? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, if you work in the school system, would you please join us? If you're going back to college, if you're going back to another school, like the Naval Academy, would you please join us? <laughs> Uh, Excuse me What do you think you're doing up there Get up here You know the reason I'm doing this The reason I'm doing this is because I hope you had a great first week And I hope you enjoyed the three days Hunter
0: Go along with me here
2: But I want you to look at For one Look at all the people in this building Because these folks in this building Are your family You may have a mom, and you may have a dad at home. You may live with grandparents. Um, But it helps to know that when you start this school year, that you can always look to anybody in this building because we are your church family. We want you to have a great school year. So um, I think we all need to know each other a little bit better in our church. So I know a lot of people don't like to talk in a microphone, but we want to thank you if you work in our school system and how many lives you touch every single day. And kids, we want to thank you, and we hope you have a great school year. Oh, you're right here, you get to start first. Mm -hmm. I just need your name, and what grades you're in, and anything you want to share. And what school? (laughs) Excuse me, and Mary, one says, what school?
0: I'm Braden. I'm a junior at Castle High School. Junior! I'm Lily, and I'm fourth grade, share
2: elementary Freaking
0: me. I remember you guys when you were
2: three and four. I'm Ava and, and I'm in ten,
0: I'm in 3rd grade and you that in that. ten. 3rd grade at what school? Satten.
2: Elementary
0: elementary right. I'm Georgia and I'm in 5th grade at Owensboro Middle School South. There, huh? uh, okay. I'm taking. I'm in 6th grade at South Middle School. I'm Hunter and I'm in fifth grade at Jefferson Elementary. Oh, fifth grade? No,
3: well, you don't be it's the same school next year, though. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Marley. Uh, I'm in second grade at Bingate.
0: Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. My name's Connie and I drive the preschool bus. <laughs>
2: just tell you, Connie
3: also volunteers
2: at Christian Outreach. That woman spills, spends more money on candy and goodies on Thursday for Friday morning's bus ride. I know. I know. I know these things. Oh, sure My name is Kim Knight, and I'm a preschool teacher at the Selma V. Johnson Early Learning Center. Oh, I'm Sharon Crafton, and currently I work as a unit secretary at the high school, but in October I'm going to the board office.
3: Ooh, ooh, ooh. My name is Lisa Carroll, and I'm complicated.
2: <laughs> this, excuse me, you worked hard. This is Dr. Carroll. Dr. Carroll. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Um, I am actually on loan from Henderson County Schools to the Kentucky Department of Education, and I provide services as an education recovery leader for Hopkins County Central High School in Madisonville. And I'm Kim Hall, and I work at North Middle School. How
2: else do you guys know Kim Hall?
3: She-
0: <laughs> they, they don't. Is this, is
2: this the children's director? One of your two children's directors? We get to say goodbye to this chick Saturday. I'm Kelsey. I am a sophomore at Georgetown College. And this is part of our family.
0: I'm Trevor, and I'm a sophomore at the Naval Academy. Academy. Yay! All right. (laughs) I'm going to
2: let you guys take these before we say a prayer. We just want you to have the best school year ever, and you can pick which one you want. Sometimes you just need something to look at to help you get through the day, and there's several of them here. Listen to this one. This says, whoever disregards discipline, but you guys are never ugly at school, right? You're always good at school. Oh, come here, Sarah Carroll. We're just saying what grade we're in. I can't believe you're middle school, too. Name and what school in what grade? Um, I'm Sarah Carroll, and I go to South Middle School, and I'm in sixth grade. Sixth grade. Have you guys seen each other yet? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Dr. Tim, I'm hurrying. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame. But whoever heeds correction is honored. So let's try to be just as obedient as we can with our teachers and all of our people around you. Okay? Here's another another Bible verse. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you have. I know you guys have uniforms. Let's don't think so much about our earthly things as him above when we're having a bad day at school,
3: okay? This is
2: kind of for parents. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. In any, if any of you lacks wisdom, don't we all lack wisdom sometimes? We all lack wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So sometimes if you just feel like you don't know what's going on, ask God to help you. He'll help you. Just a couple more here, and then you guys can take whichever one you want. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. This is the most important important words in this verse. Value others above yourself. Okay? Don't always just think of yourself. Think of others. I think that's all I'm going to read today. Let's do a prayer before you guys go to children's moment. You guys ready to pray? Father God, we come to you this morning, Father, another school year. Um, Father, just put your hands on each one of our children here, standing before you in your house. God, we know there are some children that don't have a church family. God, we know there are some children that don't have a family. Let us keep our mind open if we're sitting by someone. Remember, they might not have a bed to sleep in. They may not have food in their stomachs. They may not have a mother and dad to guide them. We ask you please step in there. Help all the folks that work in the school corporation. Let them know how important they are to each and every child, each each and every one of your children. God, we ask you to bless us in the days to come for a great 2017-2018 school year. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, have
0: a great school year, you guys.
3: Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that we can always trust in you. You are an abundant God, and out of your great mercy you have given us so much. We give you this offering today. With it we worship you and give our whole selves to you. Please now take it and use it for your kingdom and your glory. May it be a great blessing to many. We ask all in this in powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, my Good morning. I will be reading Matthew 16:13 through 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, "Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" Simon Peter answered, Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord.
1: God's people said amen. amen. That was wonderful. Thank you, choir. Every, every once in a while, um, we'll see something on the news uh, with a story about a man who claims to be a Messiah somewhere, and 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 it happened in Knoxville, Tennessee, not too long ago. It, it seems that a man uh, claiming to G, to be Jesus was arrested after he assaulted his wife. Now, I don't think Jesus would do that, but uh, he was arrested after assaulting his wife, and, and the warrant stated that he assaulted his wife, he shoved her into a chair, and, and threatened her if she left him. He also ripped a telephone out of the wall and and uh, smashed her windshield of her car. And the deputy wrote that when he was arrested, he was yelling about being Jesus and at the Knox County Jail, the corrections officer was getting the information about about the the new uh, uh, inmate there, and he was compiling the computer records. So he asked the man what his religion was, and the man said, "I'm Jesus." And he also told officials that he wanted John and Paul and Moses to be on his visitation list, his visitors lists. At last report, he was being held on a five thousand dollar bond and was scheduled to appear in court soon. Obviously, this was a troubled man. Psychologist Milton Rokich wrote a book uh, a while back titled The Three Christs of Ypsilanti. Uh, in it, he describes his attempt to treat three patients at a psychiatric hospital in Ipsilanti, Ypsi- Michigan. All three of these patients suffered from delusions of grandeur. Each believed himself to be unique among humankind. Each believed that he had been called to save the world. Each believed himself to be the Messiah. Well, Rokich found it difficult to break through, to to help these patients accept the truth about their their identity. So he decided to put all three of them into a little community together. Uh, and he wanted to see if rubbing against other people who, who also claimed to be the Messiah might dent their delusions a little bit. It's kind of like a messianic 12-step program, I guess. But, but as you can imagine, that, that led to some, some interesting conversations. For example, in one group therapy session, one of the patients there claimed, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God, and I was sent to save the world. And then Rokic asked the, the man, how do you know that? And he answered, God told me. And then another one of the patients looked over at him and said, I never, touched, I, I never told you any such thing. <laughs> Every once in a while, he would, he would get a glimmer of reality. Uh, they would get a glimmer of reality, but, but never very deep and never for very long. But what little progress was made was pretty much made by putting them together in the same room. Well, it may surprise you to know that in the first century Palestine, it was not that unusual for people in those days to come along and claim to be the messiah. I mean, after all, the Jewish people had been waiting for a Messiah for hundreds of years, one who would come to deliver the Jews from their, their, their enemies. And so it was not all that unusual for someone to come forward either out of their irrational spirit of grandiosity or, or maybe out of some kind of a cynical means to attain power for themselves. But they would come forward to claim to be the one that the people had been waiting for. And so how would the people be able to discern who was the true Messiah and who was not? I mean, mean, even John the Baptist seemed to to have his doubts and his troubles identifying who the Messiah was. Now, Now, John was one of the most prominent religious figures of his time. In his time, and when he was in his heyday, he was just as popular as Jesus was. People were flocking to see John, to be baptized by him, to hear his teaching. And though some people thought that John might be the Messiah, John considered himself to be the forerunner of the Messiah. It was his task to announce the coming of the Lord. And you may remember that that when John baptized Jesus... John thought that he had it all figured out. Jesus was the one who was to come. Jesus was the Messiah. He he knew that. Now John and Jesus were cousins. And so John was in a position to know that there was something special about Jesus. And so it was not all that surprising when Jesus came to the Jordan River and asked John to baptize him, John didn't feel worthy to baptize his cousin. And he said to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus insisted. And then, of course, as soon as Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, at that very moment, heaven was opened up and Jesus saw the Spirit of God descend upon him like a dove and alighted upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my Son whom I love. With, whom I, with him I am well pleased. Now, it doesn't say that John saw that dove. It doesn't say he heard that voice. We don't know if he did or not. It's still, it's obvious. It's pretty obvious that John thought that Jesus was the one. However, it was no slam dunk. It was not. I mean, this was at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and so it was yet to be seen what Jesus' ministry would really look like. And then after that, Jesus began his ministry. And he never really acted very much like the Messiah that everybody expected. John probably shared the same expectation that most of the other people had, that the Messiah would be some kind of a military figure who would stir up the people to to, and lead a revolt against the Roman occupation. But Jesus didn't do that. He was content to be a humble teacher and healer and i 'm so i 'm sure that that John wondered maybe i 'm mistaken. I thought he was the messiah maybe i 'm mistaken about this where's the where are the armies that you 're going to raise where are the the where 's the revolution that we're expecting? He was wondering if maybe he 's wrong about Jesus in fact, later on. When John was in prison, he sent two of his disciples to Jesus with a message. And when they came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? It appears that John was confused by the direction that Jesus' ministry was taking. And so apparently it was not as obvious that Jesus was the Messiah As John had hoped. And in response to John's question, Jesus said, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Obviously, in Jesus' mind, being a Messiah had nothing to do with stirring up the crowds for a political revolution. Evidently healing those who are hurting and proclaiming good news to the poor. That's what being a Messiah was all about. And even Jesus' closest friends and and family were were confused about Jesus' ministry. They didn't understand. And so it was a pretty big deal when Simon Peter testified that Jesus certainly was the one who was to come. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of of Man is? And they replied, some say that you are John the Baptist. At this time of this conversation, John the Baptist had been imprisoned and beheaded. He was dead. And they replied, "Some, some say that you are John the Baptist. Come back to life. Others say that you're Elijah. And still others say that you are Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus turned to them and said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And that's when Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Well, Jesus was pleased with Peter's answer, and he replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by f- flesh and blood, but my, my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which is the word that means rock, And on this rock, I will build my church, he says, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You are the Messiah, said Simon Peter, the son of the living God. Well, the question that confronts you and me today is that same question that confronted those early disciples in Jesus' day. Who do you say that Jesus is? Opinions vary. For some people... He is an example of the best of what it means to be human. In other words, he is the ideal person for us to emulate. He is the model for us, for all of us, the model for what we all should should strive for, we should try to be. Haddon Robinson, in his book titled What Jesus Said, notes that after World War I, General Pershing planned a series of victory marches through many of the European capitals. And he needed 27,000 soldiers to march in these parades. And each participant had to possess two qualities. One, each soldier was to have an unblemished military record. And two, each soldier was to stand at least one meter, 86 centimeters tall. Those were the two criteria. Well, there were about 40 soldiers guarding an ammo dump um, about 100 miles outside of Paris. And they read this notice about Pershing's victory marches with a, a great deal of interest. They wanted to be a part of that. And each of them met the first qualification. Their military record was unblemished. But that second condition was somewhat puzzling to them. You see, they didn't know how tall 1 meter 86 centimeters was. And the corporal asked the sergeant, and the sergeant didn't know. And then the corporal said, well, Sarge, I know I'm taller than you are. (laughs) And that started it. That's where it all began. Since nobody in the camp knew how tall one meter 86 centimeters was, they began to compare themselves with one another. And they stood back to back like children in a schoolyard until they knew right down from the tallest to the shortest man who was taller than anybody else and who who fell in what order in height in the whole company? Slim, the tallest of them all, kidded his buddies that since he was the tallest, he would certainly be selected for Pershing, Pershing's uh, special assignment. And, and, and Shorty, the, the shortest man in the company, knew that he, if he was able to march, then all of the rest would too. And so when a captain came from the headquarters to find out if if anybody was qualified, the soldiers told him their problem. We don't know how tall 1 meter 86 centimeters is. And so he translated the meters and centimeters into feet and inches and made a mark on the mess hall wall. And some of the men just looked at the mark and turned away and walked off because they knew that they couldn't measure up. Others stood up against the wall and they fell short by... An inch or so. And then finally, Slim stretched himself out as tall as as he possibly could. But even Slim fell a quarter of an inch short. Not a one of the soldiers came up to that six feet, one and one fifth inches (laughs) that one meter, 86 centimeters represents. Well, Pershing eventually found qualified men to march in his parades, but the point is that the point of that story is that when we have an absolute standard to measure ourselves by, it is futile for us to measure ourselves against each other, isn't it? We must measure ourselves by the standard of Christ. Jesus is the mark that we measure our lives by, not each other. He is the perfect example of what a a human being should be. And, And for some people, that's good enough. He's the absolute standard. He's the ultimate role model for humanity. He is humanity at its finest. But for most of us, Jesus is even more than that. He's more than just merely the best that humanity can produce. You see, he is also the best representation of what God is like. When a little boy was asked to describe Jesus, he thought for a moment and then he replied, Jesus is the best self-portrait that God ever made. That's true, isn't it? Human beings had many ideas and intuitions about the nature of God before the coming of Jesus in the, into the world. But even the most brilliant theologian was, was kind of like a blind man trying to describe an elephant. It depends on what end you're, you're, you're at and what you're feeling there. How could any mortal capture the essence of God? It's just beyond the capacity of the human brain. We don't have that ability and even more important, bad descriptions of who God is have have caused people to perform outrageous things throughout our history in the name of their mistaken image of God. Rituals such as infant sacrifice, temple prostitution, the slaughter of unbelievers, which still takes place in many parts of the world even today. In fact, I would be surprised if some of the people fomenting hatred and bigotry and violence in Charlottesville, Virginia this weekend did not do so while invoking the name of their God. Who they believe loved, loves only their kind. You see, bad ideas of God always produce bad behavior. And so if someone says to you, oh, it it doesn't really matter what you believe, just as long as you're sincere. If somebody says that to you, then ask them to consider those armies in the world today, even today. Who send their children out to be slaughtered in battle so that those children can go to heaven? There's something wrong with that. And it doesn't get mentioned very often, very much, but the, the KKK and the Aryan nations, they're religious organiza- organizations, largely. And they believe that God has created a certain segment of society to subdue other segments of society to bring order. And they believe their God orders that. That's the God that they believe in. So folks, don't tell me that it doesn't matter what we believe about God. It does. It matters what we believe about God. And that is why since we could could not climb up to God, since we could not fully grasp the nature of God with our finite human minds, since we could not understand what God was really like, and we really messed it up a whole lot and still do, but that's why God didn't depend on us to do that. He reached down to us in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. So you see, Jesus is the fullest revelation of what God is like that we have. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus and then follow his teachings. I'm reminded of the final scene from that wonderful theological movie called Shrek. In case you haven't seen the movie, Shrek has a story of a, there he is, he's a big fat green ogre, and he rescues Princess Fiona, you, you parents, you've seen this probably a million times, he rescues Princess Fiona, and Fiona is a beautiful princess who bears a striking, striking resemblance to Carmen Diaz with red hair, who also provides the voice for, for Fiona, However, Princess Fiona is under a curse. You see, every night she becomes an ogre, ever bit as green and fat as Shrek. During the day, she becomes Cameron Diaz with red hair again. But at night, she becomes an ogre. And this cycle is to repeat itself every day until, in classic fairy tale fashion, she finally experiences true... Love. Yeah, Love. I mean, every fairy tale is like that, right? But this was a little bit different because, you see, at the end of the movie, Shrek finally sees for the first time Fiona's ogre persona, which she's been hiding from him all of this time. But he loves her and kisses her anyway. And then something quite unexpected happens, something that never really happens in traditional fairy tales because, you see, rather than being transformed back into the beautiful Cameron Diaz-like princess, Fiona is permanently transformed into a big, fat, green ogre. You see, she loves Shrek so much that she gives up her former beauty and becomes like him. And that is exactly what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Out of God's great love for us, God empties God's self and becomes as we are. So who is this man Jesus? He's the ultimate role model for humanity. He is humanity at its finest. But he's also much more than that. He is also the best representation that we have of what God is like. As that little boy said, Jesus is the best self, self-portrait that God has ever taken. Who do you say that the Son of Man is, asked Jesus. For once, Simon Peter got it right. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so the question that I leave with you today is this. Who is Christ to you? And what difference does he make in your life? Amen. Let's sing together, I Surrender All, number 499. And I hope that this is the prayer of our hearts, that we surrender all to Christ and that we recognize Christ as the greatest human being who ever lived and won for us to emulate our lives after. And also, we recognize Christ as the Son of God, the Messiah, the Son of the living God Himself. Let us sing. share in our benediction prayer together, printed in your, your worship folder here, as we read responsibly. Who is this man?
0: This is Jesus.
1: Who is this man? This is the Messiah. Who is this man? This is the child of the living God. The Lord is on our side. We fear nothing. God is our help. Blessed be the Lord. Amen.
0: Yeah no.